Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. And this was uh, not a good week for the Blackhawks. And I think that's putting it pretty mildly. They played three games. All of them went very badly for the Blackhawks. And um, my co-host, Michael, is back. And he did not miss much <laughs> in his uh, time off. But... Um, yeah, thankfully I missed the worst game of the of the group while I was on vacation. Yeah. So anyway, um, the first game was Friday afternoon, a day game on Black Friday for the Blackhawks against the Avalanche. A game that actually started out with a Blackhawks goal, a shorthanded goal to be exact. And after that, things did not go very good. Although maybe I'm confusing. Was that the Saturday game with the shorthanded goal? Uh, that was the Saturday game with the short hand. Okay, okay. So this one, well, that will, because there were two Avalanche games. They run together, and not for good reasons, but, yeah, so we'll kick back to Friday then, where the Avalanche scored two quick goals. Like, I mean, within five minutes, it was two to nothing Avalanche. And uh, a couple of shots on the point that went in, and the Blackhawks actually had, I would say they had a majority of the play in this game. But it seemed like every avalanche shot that they took went in the net. Or at least that's what it felt like. Um, the Blackhawks did score to make it 2-1. to one, But the avalanche just added three more goals. And by the end, it was a 5-1 to one score. I believe the Blackhawks scored a late goal to make it 5-2. to two, But it was not very... It was, I want to say garbage time is what I would say. Yeah. For that last goal, so it didn't have very much impact on the final score. It did extend Patrick Kane's point streak, so Yeah. It actually did come in the second period, but you know, when you're already down five to one, it's still not uh not much of an impact in the game. Yes. Uh, now the Black Knights had played decently in that game if they didn't get the results. That was not the case the next night in Colorado where this was the game that Brandon Side scored a shorthanded goal to begin the game, and you're thinking, well, maybe maybe this will be different than the game on Friday. And boy, was it not different. <laughs> the avalanche, I mean, I hate to use the pun, but an avalanche of goals followed that one goal for the Blackhawks. By the end, they got it up to 7-1 to one before the Blackhawks scored a couple, a goal in the second period and a goal in the third period. But... At one point, this game was 7-1 in the second period, and that was, I'd say, a pretty fair reflection of the Blackhawks' effort in this game. They just got killed in this game. I would say the highlight of the game would be uh, Robin Leonard got pulled from the game and started screaming at his bench, which, I mean, I don't know if you should scream at your bench, but the way they played, I can understand the frustration, but all around, it was not a very good game. Yeah, this is the one where I only caught basically the first period of the game. So I saw Saad's goal, but then, you know, I saw the, the avalanche pull away um, and didn't didn't have a chance to go back and watch. So I kind of missed some of the fireworks with, uh, you know, Leonard getting pulled and uh, the, the avalanche just, uh, you know, pouring it on in the second period. So I... Uh, I, I meant to go back and watch it, but I just I never got around to it um, coming off my vacation. So, well, I, I will confess that 
the third period was not viewed by anyone in this podcast. <laughs> I also turned it off because yeah, it was hard to yes. find motivation to go back and watch this drubbing. Yes, and of course I should mention a big injury for the Blackhawks in the first game. Uh, Duncan Keith was forced to leave the Friday afternoon game with a groin injury and did not play the last two games of this week. And it sounds like he won't play the upcoming games ahead. And Colleton said this was an injury that he'd been dealing with before, but, you know, losing Duncan Keith with our, with the defense core for the Blackhawks as it is, is just a very bad, big blow for the Blackhawks. Uh, well, I think we've seen how crippling it, it, it is for this team. It's, they they just complain they play completely differently without him he's you know I, I think he's probably you know the only guy that you would consider a top pairing defenseman on the team i mean they they kind of patch together a top unit be, between Keith and you know usually Murphy or Gustafson and you know ideally neither of those guys are somebody you want matching up against the other team's best and you know i think we've seen in these last few games when you know, Murphy doesn't have Duncan Keith to, to rely upon, you know, he, he's not somebody that can carry it, you know, a guy on his other side. So it's, it's definitely an issue and it's, you know, my, my big thing, you know, when, uh, the Blackhawks were at their peak and people would say, oh, you know, this the, the team's going to go as far as Taves and Kane, you know, can can carry them as far as the, you know, the window of contention. And my retort to that was always, no, I don't think T- Taves and Kane are, you know, what keeps the window open. The window open is how long can Keith, Seabrook, and and Jalmerson keep uh, keep the defense together and you know we've seen over the last couple of years Jalmerson get traded Seabrook fall off a cliff and Keith regress you know he's no longer um you know the the Norris caliber player that he once was who could carry subpar defensemen on his other side and still come out of a game you know with positive possession and that sort of thing um, you know, he's still good, but he's not what he once was, and they, they haven't managed to replace either Seabrook or Jalmerson's production. And that, I think, more than any drop-off in Taves' play, and, you know, we're still seeing Patrick Kane scoring 100 points, and to me, it's it's that, that top three defense. And they've, you know, they've only got one of those three, and in these past three games, they didn't have any of the three, and it shows. Yeah, and then, of course, we move on to... There's one more game, Monday night, against the defending champion Blues in Chicago. And, you know, when the start, when the game started, a shot, they dumped... Uh, Blues dumped the puck in. It bounced off the boards, went right in front of the net for an easy goal. And you thought, well, oh, this isn't a promising start. And the rest of the game pretty much followed suit. I mean, I you almost want to say the Blues didn't even look like... Someone said they looked unconcerned, someone on Twitter, the entire game. And that's kind of the feeling you had. They never yeah. really looked like they were sweating this game, and they would they, go on to a 4 nothing victory. And They are a good, deep team that plays a, a well-structured um, 
system. And, you know, they got that fluky goal at the start, and then they managed to follow it up with a power play goal late in the first period. And, you know, for a team like the Blues to get an early lead like that against a a team like the Hawks who are struggling and prone to mistakes, they're just a team that can sit on a lead like that in the game. And the Blackhawks, you know, did end up getting a decent amount of possession in the game and and drove some of the play, but you just saw the, the Blues be able to kind of go into a shell, keep everything to the outside, and so there wasn't, you know, a lot yeah, of high really, danger chances, say, and everything yeah. was one and done. There was no follow-ups on rebounds. If the Blackhawks got a shot, you know, the goaltender would either smother it or a defenseman would get the puck right away, and the puck was going back the other way. And that this is a classic, you know, if you're if you want to make a case against advanced metrics, this would be the case you would make. It's a game like this, where the Blackhawks had the edge in possession, got more shots than the Blues, but none of them were good shots. They skated around the perimeter, but never really could get. So if you look at the possession and the shots, you would go, well, the Blackhawks played pretty well. But if you watched it, you would know that they really did not. Yeah, this is a game where the score and the talent levels you know dictated a lot of the play the blackhawks were kind of scrambling and you know were pressing trying to get some goals and the blues just played a, a you know a contained game never panicked and just played smart and like you said the advanced stats don't show what was actually going on in this game you know you'd look at some of the stats and you'd say oh this game would be pretty close but it was never all that close. I mean, the Blues were definitely helped by that fluky goal that put them in a, a great early position, probably deflated the Blackhawks a little bit. You know, it would have been a tall task to beat the Blues anyway, but then, you know, you kind of gift them a goal, you know, right out of the gate, and, you know, it makes a tough task even even worse. And the Blackhawks were just never able to recover, and the Blues just cruised. So, you know, in the last podcast, the, the solo podcast, I was, you know, I, I mentioned this. I, you felt good about the two Stars games. They hung pretty well with the Stars. Yeah, those so were it, really well-played games. Yes, and the, and the Tampa Bay game, you know, was not as good yeah. as the, was not great, but it wasn't as bad as, like, the Carolina ones. You felt, but then we have these three games. The Blackhawks outscored 16-3. to yeah. I'm sorry, 16 to 5 in a three game stretch. And they just got, you know, just got crushed by these, I guess you would say the more quality teams in the, in their division. But yeah, definitely the cream of the central and perhaps even the cream of the Western conference. Yeah. So we've got, you know, Twitter, I don't want to say meltdown, but you know, people are throwing a lot of dirt on the grave and you know, I'm tempted to do it myself. Should should we give up on the Blackhawks, or do you want to see a bit more? I mean, they could still compete for a playoff spot. Uh, you know, I, I do think this team is capable of putting together a run like they did last year, you know, to get back into it. Um, this team is more talented this year than it was last year, so... They could have a similar type turnaround, and hopefully it kicks off a little sooner, which would allow them to make up, you know, the ground that they've lost here over the last week. 
and you know they could perhaps sneak in as a seventh or an eighth seed but that time is running out and you know if you don't see any progress by you know christmas uh, they've got to go on a run here and if they don't then i think you you do just have to start looking at selling off parts um be it gustafson um maybe one of crawford or leonard or both even um you know there's not always a great goaltender market at the trade deadline you tend to not get a lot of uh, value back for those guys um but you know the the, the you'd, you'd certainly have to be open to that um you know and you know and then other guys as well but certainly the the guys that are you know pending free agents you'd have to look at moving them and then no go ahead well i was going to transition a little bit since we were talking about you know uh robin leonard a little bit but there's this thing that's blowing up you know in the last week of games with the blackhawks assistant coach mark crawford where he's been you know there's these allegations from his past head coaching time of you know, after this whole thing with the Flames coach being fired for, you know, the insensitive comments and the and yep. the abuse of players and stuff, and this stuff about Mark Crawford's come out, so the Blackhawks have basically suspended him. He's not uh, yep. coaching right now. And you've got Robin Leonard today made these comments about how he thinks people are overreacting and you should get another chance, and then you have Daniel Carcello coming back at, former Blackhawk coming back at Leonard saying, that what he did was wrong and he should be punished for it. And I just wanted to ask you, what did you think of this whole situation? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of off-ice stuff swirling around the Blackhawks at this point, which is further complicating their on-ice situation. I mean, you know, beyond the injuries to Keith and Shaw and Kajula and Dylan Strom's been out, you know, you know, one of the aspects that we didn't touch on in uh, that previous game is they were playing with 19 guys because they've mm-hmm. got so many guys that are on, you know, injured in the short term that they haven't been able to put on uh, IR to free up cap space to actually bring up replacements. Now uh, that was gonna, you know, it's, it looks like that's gonna be a one game thing. They'll they'll have somebody up, or, or I'm sorry, Strom will be back, so they'll be able to dress all all 20 guys in these games coming up. But you know, you factor that in with. Um, you know, uh, Akeem uh, Aliyu uh, coming forward with the allegations against um, Bill Peters, who was his coach in Rockford when they were yeah, in the yeah, Chicago we should, organization. We add, I forgot to add that too. That yes, this this uh, original incidents occurred when Bill Peters was coaching the Blackhawks AHL team with top pick Hakeem Alou, who whose name yeah. I can never say right, but. Yeah, so, you know, there doesn't seem to have been, you know, it was a a bit of a fishy situation even back then. I do remember the demotion that he received that season and and thinking it was pretty weird uh, given his numbers and the fact, you know, that he had been labeled as kind of a head case. And so you kind of chalked it up to, oh, you know, there was probably an off-ice incident that, you know, 
related to his demotion from the AHL to the ECHL that year, because the numbers certainly wouldn't have indicated that, you know, it was a move that was justified. Um, but now, you you know, in, in hindsight, you're looking, it's like, oh, well, was the off-ice incident not his fault? And that is, you know, repercussions from, you know, the coach's end. And it's just, you know, there doesn't seem to be any blowback on the Hawks from that incident. Um, Ali Yu uh, came forward and said that he had never informed anyone within the, you know, the Hawks front office of the incident. But, you know, there were players that were in the locker room when that happened that went on to have, you know, careers with the Blackhawks. Uh, Corey Crawford, uh, Jake Dowell, you know, a few other guys among them. Uh, And, you know, so you wonder how much information about that incident, you know, actually did filter up over time. Now, you know, Peters wasn't wasn't with the Hawks much long after that. So, you know, it, it probably was just an incident that, you know, didn't didn't have a lot of lasting effects with the Hawks, especially since Ali you got, I believe, traded the next offseason when they, or, or, or a year or two later, uh, he was actually part of the Dustin Bufflin trade uh, after mm-hmm. the championship where they needed to shed some salary. But, um, you know, th- there was certainly that... Um, coming coming to light and you know really disrupting the entire league to some extent i mean obviously peters being the you know the head coach in calgary and that you know having huge ramifications for that franchise and then you know that the ripple effects of avery coming forward about the incident with crawford um and so yeah you know we've got Crawford suspended so you know not only were we playing with one fewer player but we were playing with one fewer coach in that last game and you know I I, I take these incidents very seriously I I have absolutely no problem with them suspending Crawford I you know I that's the sort of incident where if there isn't video evidence of it there were certainly other players that saw it or other coaches that witnessed it and so uh, it, it should be this, uh, you know, a fairly simple investigation as to whether or not a common occurrence for Crawford or if it was a one-time thing, even if it was a one-time thing, nobody should be abusing anybody on, you know, as part of, you know, a franchise. But, you know, this is the sort of thing where, you know, we're seeing it with, uh, with Peters, we're seeing it with Babcock, where these guys mm-hmm. who have been abusive for a long time, you know, these incidents start coming to light. Now, you know, if we if we start seeing more information about Crawford come to light, you know, it's generally the guys where there's a pattern of abuse that you really have to worry about. And so far, mm-hmm. I haven't been paying a lot of attention, but so far this is the only thing I've heard come forward about Crawford. But um, my guess is there are other things that will come to light. And so I don't expect him you know, to be, to be long for the organization. Now that certainly has potential ramifications in, you know, a few weeks ago when we were talking about the potential of Jerry, Jeremy Colleton being fired, mm-hmm. um, Crawford would be, Was the it got, obvious, yeah, he'd be the set in, yeah. You know, he'd be the obvious fill in, um, the interim given his past, uh, head coaching experience. But, now we're in a position where we don't have a proven fallback on top of, you know, these games against Colorado and St. Louis were as ugly, at, you know, well, 
I wouldn't necessarily say they were as ugly as a couple of those games early in the year, but they were still bad. And if the team continues to play like that, you know, you just have to wonder, you know, whether it's the the veterans setting a bad example or it's um, Colleton just not being able to get through to his team. Mm-hmm. Some of these in, some of these bad performances are simply a matter of the team's just not, you know, they're 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 not competing. And well, I was going to ask you too about you were talking about that there was you know you weren't on the podcast last week so. There's this the game against Tampa Bay where they went with the seven defensemen and you did get comments from Jonathan Tabes, you know, after the game where he was saying that he didn't think it was a very good idea to have yeah. seven defensemen and you know to hear that someone go to the like guy like Tabes who never goes to the media like that and says stuff about the coach, you do wonder what grip does a Colleton have on the locker room? Is that or am I stretching that? No, I don't think you are. And, you know, it's the sort of thing where, you know, we certainly saw Quenville go to the seven defensemen on a semi-regular basis over the years. But that was when the team was, you know, riding fairly high and, you know, you're immune to a little bit of the criticism. But even Q, you know, he might not have heard it publicly from his players, but, you know... Those those games where we're where they were dressing seven defensemen and uh, um, you know Sheldon Brookbank was skating as a forward for several shifts in a game where it was just it, you know it never really made much sense um, and it did have poor effect on the team but they could absorb it at that point in time whereas you know the Blackhawks were coming off a bad game in Carolina. And then, you know, they had won two games, or I'm sorry, they had won in Buffalo in, you know, in good fashion, but then they followed up with a bad game at Carolina, you know, and they're a team that's still struggling for an identity, and then you make that move at that time, and it wasn't even so much... You know, I, I saw a lot of people were making fun of it. like, oh, you're giving Slater Cuckoo the chance to play against his old team? I honestly actually have no problem with that. That's a fairly regular practice, uh, you know, throughout the NHL. If they wanted to dress Slater Cuckoo for that game, no problem to my eye. Just, you know, uh, sit Gustafson or sit Olimata or somebody else mm-hmm. that's, you know, on the defense and not particularly playing very well. Yeah, it, uh, it, I also hated the idea of, you know, Patrick Kane is 30 years old. Should we play him 28, 29 minutes a game? Yeah. It seems like a lot of stress, pressure to put on Kane. Right. And, you know, and it wasn't just that Kane was double shifting. It was throwing off the lines all night. It, it, I mean, it just completely disrupted the rotation, the way that they were deploying guys. It's, it seemed like you didn't have, um, you know, one rotation through the lines that was the same as the next. You know, it wasn't just that, you know, Kane was playing on the second line and then, you know, also playing a shift on the fourth line. It was, you know, Kane played a, a shift with Taves and then he'd play a shift with Strom and then he'd play, it, it, and it just seemed like every, it threw everything off. And so, yeah, I mean, to me, that was a head coaching blunder. Um, and it came at a very poorly timed point. Now, you know, but even coming off of that, 
They, they come off those two games, and they play two very, very good games, probably their best set of back-to-back performances of the season against Dallas. Take three out of four points in a home-and-home, and you're feeling pretty good, even coming mm-hmm. off of that, you know, that uh, crazy incident in Tampa Bay. But, you know, a good, you know, they were playing a good team, made good performances, came away with important points, and then you lay an egg for three straight games. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just this inconsistency with this team is aggravating. And, yeah, I mean, they were playing really good teams this past weekend, and it came at a, the point in time where the injuries and the off-field or off-ice stuff caught up with them all at once. And, you know, then on top of that, they were playing three games and four games again, which is something, you know, we yes. it seems to be a regular occurrence. Yes. And, you know, I think we're seeing a lot. Of, it's been a kind of a regular pattern where the Hawks actually usually play pretty good in the back-to-backs, mm-hmm. um, especially the second half of back-to-backs. That's generally been a thing that, you know, teams struggle with, but the Hawks have usually been pretty good uh, this season with that second half, although in this particular case, that was the really bad game against Colorado. What the Hawks have usually struggled with is that third game in the four nights. That mm-hmm. They've really played poorly in those, but in this instance with you know, Keith being out and skating with 19 guys in a game. They just got trounced against good teams. And, yeah, I mean, you just – they came back and they, they've they practiced the, the last two days. Generally, you get a day off after three mm-hmm. games and four nights. But, you know, those performances were bad enough where they felt like they needed to – to focus on some things, hopefully maybe make some uh, system adjustments maybe if if, if uh, they deem it necessary. But, you know, to me, a lot of what was happening in the parts of the Colorado games that I saw in the St. Louis game was kind of a lack of effort. And, you know... I, <laughs> How much of that is the players just not putting in enough effort or how much of that is are they starting to tune out the coach or is it a combination of the two? Yeah. It's, and, uh, just, you know, it's really hard to say. Yeah, it is. It's you, you get it, If it keeps going like this, though, you're going to have to say, you know, someone's going to have to take the blame and it's probably not going to be the players. So. Right, but. yeah. It's, it's always easier to get rid of one coach than it is to get rid of 5, 10, 15 players. Yep. So I will say one more thing before we go to the preview. And um, Robin Leonard's been playing great, but he has been, you know, getting. Let's just say the reporters probably are kind of big fans of Robin Leonard because he can yeah. give you some quotes. But yeah. in the last two weeks, he's gone publicly trash shootouts and says he hates them. Then he was, you know, the incident yelling at the bench when he was getting pulled, and then today, you know, he's getting a lot of you know, attention for his comments on Crawford. And, you know, yeah. hockey's a little different than, say, like a basketball or football where players are a little bit more outspoken. Do you think that the other players are happy with Leonard doing this or do you think it might be overblown by the media? I mean, at this point, I think everyone knows who Robin Leonard is. Um, there should be no surprises, at, you know, at this juncture in his career you know, you know, with especially after 
the way he performed both on the ice and the way he gave interviews with, you know, the Islanders last season. This this is who he is. Um, he's very public about his own mental health uh, issues and his recovery from that. Um, and, you know, he's always been a guy that's been pretty outspoken you know, regarding his own team and, you know, the other players on the team. Nobody in the Hawks organization should be surprised by this. You know, hockey is a a, still a very conservative um, industry, um, generally behind the times on just about everything. I mean, you know, we're seeing, you know, the Peters thing and the, the, the Crawford thing and the um, Babcock and Don Cherry and all this mm-hmm. stuff coming up. This is all things that should have been dealt with five, ten years ago. Yeah, hockey's just getting to it now. Um, and you know, so you have this, you know, conservative mindset that comes through. And you know, it it Leonard's a guy that was coming off of a great season, and yeah, you know, there was some risk given his, um, you know, off ice. Um, issues that he was dealing with with his mental health and you know past drug issues and that Um, but beyond that you know he was coming off a great year in the prime of his career and there didn't seem to be much of a market for him now you know the Blackhawks were able to get a great deal on a one-year five million dollar deal but you know a guy in his position generally should be able to command more money and more term on a contract than that. So, you know, you always have to factor in, is the reason that that, that happened purely because of the conservative mindset of NHL owners and general managers? Or is there, you know, uh, the reason partly because... His teammates don't maybe don't necessarily like him very much. I mean, yes. you know, does he have a rep that's justified? And I don't know that we can say what, you know, how you know where to fall on that as an outsider. You know, none of us are in that locker room. We don't know how his teammates react to him in practices and stuff. But exactly, you know, it, it's just it's something we're probably never going to know until Leonard's gone and then his teammates talk about him after he's gone. <laughs> yes. Um, but we're going to so, get some entertainment out of it. Uh, yeah. It, in the meantime, I'm here for it. I, I mean, some of the performances that the Blackhawks have put out this season, Leonard was absolutely justified in calling mm-hmm. him out. I don't, I, I, you know, there were several games early in the year where he was very public in his, you know, we didn't try hard enough. You know, we're not following the system. Guys aren't doing their job. And, you know, it's not something that happens in hockey very often. And mm-hmm. to me, it was a breath of fresh air. But, you know, I can't speak to how his teammates actually react to that. Yeah. So. Well, I guess it's time for a little preview of the upcoming week, which, again, another three games in four days. Yes. There's four games in total, but I'll let you do a little preview. Yeah, busy week, and uh, doesn't really get much easier. I mean, you know, you're coming off two games against Colorado and one against St. Louis. 
three, you know, that's three really tough games, and we've got three more really tough games this week uh, sandwiched around, uh, you know, what you would hope would be a, a fairly uh, easy competition, um, although even that comes on the road. So uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, uh, they're going to be traveling out to the East Coast, so it's, it's going to be a 6 o'clock game against uh, the NHL-leading Boston Bruins. This is a team with a dynamite first line with David Posternock and Brad Marchand and um, uh, Patrice Bergeron. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they don't have a lot of star power behind those guys, but they they play a, a strong system you know, plays a, a, a real well as a team from what I've seen in the limited action. They just, they're well-structured, and that top line just gives them an advantage in every game. And they've just been steamrolling teams. Uh, yeah, and for so good they, measure, too, they are 12-0-4 at home this year. They have yeah. not lost in regulation at home, so. Yeah, so I, I think the odds of the Blackhawks coming away with any points is low, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you just, you, you hope to, to come out of it with a point. Um, but like I said earlier, the Hawks tend to have, have tended to play well in the second half of a back-to-back. And in this, in this case, they're going to be able to follow up the Boston game by traveling to, you know, taking a, a short uh, flight or train ride down to New Jersey to take on a bad Devils team. Um, you know, the, the Devils are in some ways in a similar position to the Hawks where they do have some star power, um, but they're kind of struggling on the defensive side of things. Their issues, you know, they've got some goaltending issues, and um, but uh, they're, they, they're not a very good team, and you really like to think that the Hawks can come away with two points in that game. You know, for a desperate team that still hopes to get into playoff contention, that's really a must-win game for them. Um, so, you know, to me, if you could come away with three out of four points in those games, it would be a huge, huge, huge boost in, to this team, mm-hmm. you know, uh, getting that on the road. Because then they're able to come back home, and Sunday night they play another 6 o'clock game. So all three of these are 6 o'clock local uh, Chicago time starts. Um and that's going to be against uh, the Arizona Coyotes and, you know, several old friends, uh, mm-hmm. namely Nick Schmaltz and Vinny Hinestroza and Jordan Osterley. And I think I'm even forgetting, oh, uh, you know, Jalmerson. And, Although and I think Jalmerson is, he's hurt. Jalmerson still hurt, yeah. Yeah, he's hurt. So I, a lot of these guys are on the IR. You could even say hi to Dave Boland and, and Marion mm-hmm. Hossa. You know, across time zones because they're certainly not, you know, actually present in Arizona with Arizona. But, um, you know, certainly a lot of interaction between those teams, you know, in the last few years as far as trades. And, um, but, you know, Arizona's been kind of a disappointing team the last couple of years, um, but they've really turned it around this year. They're, mm-hmm. they're playing some real solid hockey. Uh, they made several acquisitions in the off season, although the Phil Kessel one isn't isn't really working out so far for them. He's not uh, been quite the goal scorer they were hoping, but 
Um, well, I'm sure Blackhawks fans um, might be interested too that Nick Schmaltz is playing very well. Yes, yes, very well for them. Um, you know, they don't they don't have him playing center. He's playing wing, uh, which is something he's better suited for, in my opinion. And yeah, just he's he's kind of been their best player, probably, um, or at least their best forward. And so, you know, I don't know if Kessel's presence has kind of allowed, you know, kind of drawn attention by other teams, and so it's allowed other guys to kind of get freed up. Um, or if, you know, some of their young players like Schmaltz and uh, Christian Dvorak and um, Clayton Keller and a couple of these guys are just, you know, they're maturing at the right time for Arizona. But they're, they're, they've had a really solid season. They've got pretty nice depth, um, even though they, they don't really have that one, you know, top line that you really got to worry about. They just, you know, they kind of attack you in waves. Um, so that's going to be a tough game. And it's the only home game that the Blackhawks have. Yeah, I, I looked up. Go too, on I a gonna, run. As you say, I looked up. Uh, Schwartz sees five goals and fifteen assists this year, so twenty yeah. points. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah, so good, good, good solid season. I mean, we all know he's a pass-first guy. Not a, mm-hmm. you know, despite having a good shot, he doesn't really like to use it. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, the five goals doesn't surprise me. Uh, but you know, so that. You know, you hate to label any game must win, but with the only home game in the bunch, they've almost got to take it if, you know, they, they, they hope to hang around. Because it doesn't get any easier then. Then they travel to Vegas on Tuesday, and, you know, we go from three straight 6 o'clock starts to a 9 o'clock start, you mm-hmm. know. And Vegas, even though the Hawks... Um, finally did play you know a pretty good game against them earlier in the year in Chicago they still ended up losing uh, but they at least came away with their first uh, point against the uh, Golden Knights in the history of that franchise Um, and then they did actually win a game in Vegas uh, last month so you know maybe got the, the monkey off their back a little bit against that that organization and Vegas isn't as strong this year as they were last year, but they're still better than the Hawks. And so yes. it's still a tough road game. And you know, it, it, this is a tough week. You got three, you got one great opponent, one bad opponent, and then two good solid teams that are playing currently playing better than the Hawks. So there's no easy points here because even that game against the bad team, in the second half of a back-to-back on the road. And, you know, it's not like the Blackhawks have a lot more points than d- the Devils at this point, where we can definitively say that the Blackhawks are the better team. Yeah, so. It's one of those things now where you just you just at least want them to be competitive in these games. Yeah. Nothing like the last couple games have been bad. You want to yeah, at least you, avoid that. you got to see the compete level increase and... That they've got to figure out a way to improve their breakouts and their transition. It, there's so many times where, you know, the, the defenseman gets a puck and he has nobody to move it to, um, you know, among the forwards. They're either standing still or, you know, they're in the wrong spot and they're covered. It, it, it they're they're getting so many turnovers in their own zone because the defensemen have 
nowhere to go or the defenseman to make a bad pass. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's not just on the forward. Sometimes it is the defenseman just coughing the puck up. Um, yeah, you know, but it's certainly something we yeah. see from Seabrook and Gustafson on regular occurrences. But, yes, but basically at this point, if if it's another week like this last week that this happened, uh, Colleton's seat's going to get very hot. Yeah, and the seats of some of the players are going to get hot, even if you do get rid of the coach. I mean, at that point, if you, if you you know if they come away with zero or one point out of this upcoming week, uh, the the Blackhawks are basically buried. Um, and at that point, you got to start looking at selling off assets. So, yeah, this is hugely important. I, I mean, I know we've kind of been saying this over and over, you know, that where the Blackhawks have to get going, you know, if they really want to stay in this. Well, we're getting to the point where th- that cutoff is really is coming. They can't wait until January to turn it on again like they did last year. It's got to start this month if they want to stay competitive this year. And if they don't, over the next couple of weeks they got to start looking at selling off pieces in the final couple of weeks of the of the of the month even though you do have the like the christmas roster freeze to deal with and all that kind of stuff but um yeah this is make or break time make or break time yep so i guess at that point we'll end this uh, episode and hopefully we have some good stuff to talk about next week that'd be nice yeah so um of course i'm sth85 on twitter michael MJ underscore Ernst. That's right. And whether the Blackhawks are back in the race or completely toast, we will be back next week. And until then, go Hawks. Go Hawks.